0: Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the Shortwave Radio and the Internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's even easier to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, France 24, Radio Havana, Cuba, and NHK World Radio Japan. We will begin with Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Human rights groups in the UK are attempting to block the British government's plans to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. Angela Merkel defended her policies toward Russia while she was Chancellor. The Belgian king is visiting the Democratic Republic of Congo in an attempt at reconciliation. Russia claimed that the recent attacks on Kiev were targeting delivered Western military equipment. The European Parliament has endorsed a ban on internal combustion engines beginning in 2035, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle.
1: UK human rights groups have launched a last-minute court bid to block the British government's plans to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. The deportations purportedly aimed to stop migrant boat crossings from France, while the first plane load is set to leave the UK as early as next week. Angela Merkel has defended her policy towards Russia during her 16 years in power. In her first big interview since leaving office, the former German chancellor insisted she had nothing to apologize for and described Russia's invasion of Ukraine as a great tragedy, saying that Vladimir Putin had made a big mistake. Belgium's King Philippe is on a six-day trip to the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's seen as a chance for reconciliation between the two nations. King Philippe met with Congolese president and reiterated his deepest regrets for Belgium's colonial past. During Belgium's rule, millions of Congolese were killed, mutilated or died of disease as the land was pillaged for resources.
2: Our correspondent Matthias Bollinger is in Kyiv. A Russian attack set to increase because of Western weapons deliveries? Well, that's how Russia frames it. They are
3: saying that they attack because of Western weapons deliveries. They have claimed that they hit uh, these tanks in Kiev. The question, of course, Western weapon deliveries are a target for Russia. Uh, That's very clear because the aim of these attacks is to weaken uh, Ukraine's infrastructure, military infrastructure, but also civilian infrastructure. Russia has hit uh, uh, on uh, food uh, uh, storages and and oil storages. And um, the question is, would Russia's, tax decrease if the West didn't deliver weapons and I don't think the answer to that is very clear.
1: The European Parliament has endorsed a ban on cars with combustion engines starting from 2035 as lawmakers try to step up efforts to fight climate change. The mandate would prohibit the sale of new cars powered by gasoline or diesel. The assembly also backed a 55% reduction in carbon dioxide from cars in 2030 compared with last year parliament now has to begin negotiations with member states to adopt, adopt a joint position. Decisions today weren't easy ones. Our reporter Marina Strauss has more.
4: EU lawmakers here in Strasbourg have voted in favor of a ban on new combustion engine cars by 2035. The Greens, the Socialists and also the far left said they welcomed this decision because it would help the bloc to become climate neutral by 2050. The conservatives and also the far right, however, said they were not very happy with it because uh, they would have preferred more freedom for the industry, for example by allowing synthetic fuels. So before this can become a law, before it can enter into force, the EU lawmakers will now have to discuss with the 27 EU countries to find a solution, a compromise. Other climate proposals were rejected today. For example, the reform of the EU's carbon market. And that means that EU lawmakers will have to come together again now. We'll have to discuss. We'll have to try and find a compromise that everyone can agree on in the future.
0: Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Next, France 24. In France, police violence against citizens is becoming a top campaign issue in this weekend's legislative elections. French President Macron has been criticized for continuing to dialogue with Putin, trying to reach a diplomatic solution to the war. It was the 50th anniversary of the photograph of a 9-year-old Vietnamese girl, Kim Phu, running after she had been burned by a napalm attack. Wednesday was World Ocean Day and France 24 interviewed Lamia Essamali the president of the Sea Shepherd, France. A warning was issued about arsenic poisoning if the Great Salt Lake in Utah keeps shrinking from climate change. France 24.
4: Here in France, police violence is becoming a top campaign issue. That's ahead of Sunday's legislative elections.
5: Yeah, after a series of events, the latest of which was a woman being uh, shot and killed by police for not uh, complying with a road stop, Uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, the uh, left-leaning French politician, said on Twitter that police kill and it is shameful. And in saying that, Le Monde explains that the head of the left coalition got reactions from the government and especially the far right, bringing and thereby bringing the issue uh, fully into the campaign at a moment, Le Monde says, uh, when polls show that Macron may not uh, yet be able to get the simple majority of seats that he seeks. It's going to be interesting to see what
4: happens on Sunday.
5: Well, as Ukraine continues to seek international support, comments by uh, France's president Emmanuel Macron have gone down rather badly. In a recent interview with the French press, Macron said it's vital that Russia isn't humiliated so that a diplomatic solution can be found. For more on this, uh, France 24's Gallagher Crag reports now from Kiev.
2: Well, the Ukrainian internet is full of memes. It has been since Emmanuel Macron first started talking about the need for Vladimir Putin to save face, mocking the French president, basically. People call him an appeaser. People say that they think that it's uh, very tactless, really, and doesn't seem to show awareness of the suffering that Ukrainians are really going through and the incredibly uh, illegal nature of this conflict, the fact that it was completely unprovoked attacked. Most Ukrainians say that they want to see Vladimir Putin put on trial for war crimes, and they absolutely want to see Russia humiliated and defeated. They're much more keen on the rhetoric of Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, who said that Putin's um, gambit, basically, in Ukraine must end in failure. That's what the dominant opinion in Ukraine is, that Putin actually must be humiliated, must be shown to have failed, and must be punished for what he's done. Though all of that said, I would stress, though, that uh, although many Ukrainians criticise Emmanuel Macron for even keeping the line of dialogue with Vladimir Putin open and speaking to him on the phone so often. The Ukrainian foreign ministry does approve of those conversations. They say at least perhaps somebody is telling Vladimir Putin what's really happening.
6: Dipti, tomorrow, June 8th, is going to mark 50 years since that unforgettable photo of a young girl running naked after South Vietnamese troops dropped a napalm bomb. Napalm Girl—that was her name. That's how it
7: became known. The academic uh, website, The Conversation, has uh, has that picture there, just to remind us of that photo. She was nine uh, in this picture. Kim Phuc Phan Thi. She was snapped screaming uh, naked uh, by photographer Nick Ut as as her city was bombed by uh, by napalm. Uh, The photo went on to win a uh, Pulitzer Prize. It became really a defining image of the Vietnam War and the atrocities committed against children. Uh, In fact, Kim Phuc Phan Thi, uh, that young girl who's obviously now a woman, looks back on that iconic photo in this really uh, moving article for the New York Times today, where she says, you know, it's been 15 years, 50 years, I'm no longer that Napalm girl, uh, but she does say that photo changed her life for better. Uh, she explains that after taking the picture, the photographer Nick would actually put his camera down and then he wrapped her in a blanket and he got her medical attention. Uh, but it also changed her life for the negative. Uh, she had anxiety, she had uh, body shame over uh, the scars that uh, she endured because of being burnt by napalm. She also had to endure interview after interview and sort of unwillingly became a public figure uh, or a public face of the Vietnam War. Um, What's interesting in the article is she also compares those atrocities to to atrocities against children now. For instance, she evokes the war in Ukraine. She also talks about um, the school shooting at Uvalde in in Texas, saying that these kind of pictures are important because they force us to confront these violent realities head on.
6: Lamia Esselali is the president of the NGO Sea Shepherd France. She joins me now on the set to talk a bit more on this World Oceans Day. Lamia, thank you for coming in. First of all, set the stage for us, if you will, for our viewers. What is Sea Shepherd exactly and what does it do? Sea Shepherd is mainly an anti-poaching organization,
8: but we do a lot of um, overfishing and pollution and, and we try to make people understand how connected we are to the ocean and that if the ocean dies, we all die basically. Mm.
6: And what exactly, how does that play out? What kind of activities do you do?
8: Well, we have a lot of direct action campaigns. So, we are uh, on boats at sea and we intervene against illegal activities, but we also try to raise awareness uh, on activities that are legal, but are not sustainable, or that are ethically reprehensible. Uh, and because our actions are very powerful and, and very strong um, on image, um, it, it put the spotlights on issues that otherwise just remain in the dark. So when you hear about Sea Shepherd actions, you you tend to remember them. and, And I think that's our force.
6: Can you give me an example of one of these recent actions that you feel really hit home? Well, we do a
8: lot of actions against uh, illegal fishing in Africa, in West Africa. This is the most poached area in the world, and we have people there who actually rely on fish for survival and fish that is being overfished and sent to EU market, for example, I mean, the EU is the zone in the world that imports most of the fish. And over half of that fish comes from developed countries. So this is a campaign that's very interesting because we have a strong connection between environmental issue and social issue and
6: political issue. We've also seen things here in France. Uh, There was a dolphin recently that was skinned that was found just a few days ago here in France. We saw an orca who got lost up on the Seine about a week ago, and I know you were very disappointed that Sea Shepherd didn't get to uh, participate in trying to save that orca. Uh, Tell me about that.
8: Yeah, unfortunately, that orca entered the scene, and as soon as a a cetacean comes in fresh water, this is like an alarm bell, and we haven't been called by the government to, um, to participate to what was going on and we thought that the situation was being taken care of which was not the case so we came at at a late stage we offered our boats to try to drive the killer whale to to the ocean unfortunately it was too late and right now we are in in touch with the the best um, orca specialists so that we can implement a protocol an emergency protocol in case this happens again whether it's an orca or a dolphin or a whale that comes in, in the river and we have to expect this kind of thing to happen again because there is more and more uh, perturbations from human activities. The offshore uh, windmills, uh, constructions that are being uh, taking place, uh, the the maritime traffic, all that noise is very, very uh, disturbing for cetaceans and they tend to lose their group and and the the fact that this whale entered the the scene may have something to do with the offshore uh, windmill that is being built in Corsair's your so we need to be very very careful with that and, and regarding the dolphin that was found skinned on the beach two days ago unfortunately this happens uh, seal in France some people do eat dolphins flesh it's strictly forbidden obviously because it's a protected species but that kind of things happen and we we really uh, we, we, we demand that we have cameras on board the fishing vessels to to ha- monitor in a much better way what uh, the fishing activities is doing to protected species this is going on in in Australia they have a very good remote e monitoring system mm. that allows more transparency
6: on what's going on at sea and and that's what we want to have at the European level. Lamia, just to wrap up, what can our viewers who are watching today, who want to get involved, who want to help but don't know how, what can they do? Well, there are many threats on the ocean. We talk a lot about climate
8: change. We talk about plastic. The number one threat is overfishing. It's it's our um, ever-expanding consumption of, of fish, right? And so many people eat fish without even thinking about it. And this is what is killing the ocean more than anything else so if you want to do your part to help the ocean if that fish that's in your plate is not mandatory to your survival then leave it leave it in the ocean that's really the best thing you can do for the ocean and and just feel the connection also with the ocean because we Kind of like we tend to limit the ocean to that beach where we go, you know, spray our towel mm-hmm. in the summer. The ocean is so much more than that. This is, uh, it's, it's mandatory to our health and also to our mental health. We all come from the ocean. And if the ocean dies, we all die. So we need to remember this every day, not just today.
6: Lamia, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. Uh, Lamia Essam Lamli, who is the NGO of Sea Shepherd France, thank you so much. Thank you.
4: And you have some environmental news for us next, Solange, and I should warn our viewers that it is not optimistic.
5: Yeah, the New York Times has a dire warning about the Great Salt Lake in Utah in the U.S. It says that if it keeps shrinking because of climate change, of population growth and agriculture, well, it could create what the paper calls an environmental nuclear bomb. Why? Well, there is arsenic at the bottom of the lake because of mining in the area. And if exposed because the water's gone, well, this uh, arsenic could create poisonous that could threaten 75% of Utah's population.
0: Those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. On to Radio Havana, Cuba. More Latin American leaders refused to attend the Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles because the Biden administration had banned Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua from attending. Activists are holding a People's Summit for Democracy nearby simultaneously. The Bolivian government has suggested a 15-year prison sentence for coup leader Janine Añez. Another environmental reporter has been assassinated in Honduras. The Washington Post reported on the U.S. role in the Saudi bombings in Yemen. Syrian air defenses intercepted the latest missile attack from Israel. Radio Havana, Cuba.
9: According to media reports from the United States, President Joe Biden's bid to reassert leadership in the Americas, where mistrust of the United States runs deep, has been dealt a blow as several South and Central American countries have decided to stay away from a summit in Los Angeles. Leaders from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador have rejected to participate in the America's summit due to Washington's policy of exclusion after it refused to invite Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba to the gathering. Mexican President Andrés Manuel López Obrador slammed Washington's policy of exclusion and said the United States must change its desire to dominate the world without any reason. There cannot be an America summit if not all the continent's countries participate, López Obrador said earlier this week, confirming that he will not attend the summit. Venezuelan President Nicolás Maduro praised the Mexican President's courage and clarity for choosing not to attend the summit, saying that Washington's decision to exclude three countries is an act of discrimination, which ensures that this summit will fail.
7: The First Secretary of the Central Committee of the
8: Communist Party of Cuba and President of the Republic, Miguel Iscanel, described on Tuesday the People's Summit for Democracy in Los Angeles the United States, as a true transcendental political event for the region. In his Twitter account, the dignitary said that several political and social movements in Latin America and a broad participation of different sectors in the United States will gather in Los Angeles, California, to celebrate the
6: People's Summit.
10: The Bolivian Attorney General's Office has requested 15 years in prison for the coup leader, Janine Añez. The request took place when the trial against her resumed after being paralyzed since April due to maneuvers carried out by her defense attorneys. Over 70 pieces of evidence and nearly 20 witness statements were presented in the coup d'etat 2 case, in which former Senator Agnès is accused of breach of duties and unconstitutional resolutions. Monday morning, her defense presented a new recourse of complaint at the headquarters of the constitutional court in Sucre City to challenge a rejection of a previous request through which she challenged the constitutionally of the procedures in the coup d'etat two case. It has now been two years since the Sencata massacre in Bolivia. Ten indigenous anti-coup protesters were shot and killed by the United States-backed Agnes regime in the city of El Alto. According to her lawyers, Agnes did not execute any coup d'etat. Without offering any proof in her defense, Ricardo Avila, a 25-year-old camera operator and TV host, has been killed in southwest Honduras. Local media outlets report that Avila was shot in the head while he rode his motorcycle. He was then taken to a hospital in the capital Tegucigalpa, where he died of his wounds. Avila covered social movements and protests against a destructive economic project known as Cedes, which was aimed at attracting foreign investment in Honduras. Ricardo Avila's colleagues said he was killed in retaliation
9: for reporting on these issues. The Washington Post has revealed new details about how the United States has played a critical role in supporting the Saudi-led war in Yemen. The Post reports a substantial portion of all air raids conducted in the war were carried out by jets developed, maintained, and sold by the United States company and by pilots who were trained by the United States military. The Saudi-led air campaign alone has killed nearly 15,000 people in Yemen, striking homes, hospitals, and other civilian targets. The United States' support has continued under three presidents, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden. Syrian media say the country's air defenses have intercepted Israeli missiles in the sky over the southern part of the capital, Damascus, with no casualties reported as a result of the aggression. Official Sana news agency, citing an unnamed military source, said the air defenses confronted an Israeli missile aggression that targeted the southern countryside of Damascus, shooting down most of the missiles. Media reports said earlier that loud explosions had been heard in the area, with the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights claiming that the airstrike had targeted sites in the southern Damascus countryside where Lebanon's Hezbollah resistance movement and Syrian air defense units are active. The latest illegal Israeli aggression came last, less than three weeks ago, after at least three people were killed in the regime's airstrikes on the outskirts of Damascus. Israel frequently targets military positions inside Syria, especially those of the resistance movement Hezbollah, which has played a key role in helping the Syrian army fight foreign-backed terrorists.
0: Those reports were from Radio Havana Cuba cubas website is working well at radiohc.cu on shortwave cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140 and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 60660 60, or 6165 if you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California 95490. Please, help me continue producing this weekly show which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet like a listener in Garberville, California did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with NHK Japan. South Korean and U.S. fighter jets flew over the Yellow Sea as a warning to North Korea. Russia accused Washington of mistreating Russian journalists in the U.S. The European Union plans to impose gender quotas as a way to get more women on corporate boards. NHK Japan
11: The South Korean and U.S. militaries have flown 20 fighter jets over the Yellow Sea in a joint drill. The air demonstration comes amid growing concern that Pyongyang may soon carry out its seventh nuclear test. Sixteen South Korean planes, including F-35A stealth fighters, took part. They were joined by four U.S. F-16s. South Korean officials said it was a demonstration of readiness to respond rapidly to the North's provocations. Last week, South Korea and the United States conducted a three-day joint naval exercise involving an American nuclear-powered aircraft carrier On Monday, the two countries launched eight surface-to-surface ballistic missiles toward the Sea of Japan, the same number of missiles the North fired the day before. U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman met her South Korean counterpart Cho Hyong-dong on Tuesday. She expressed concern about a possible North Korean nuclear test.
1: This would be very destabilizing uh, to the world's security. And I believe that not only the ROK in the United States and Japan, but the entire world will respond in a strong and uh, clear manner. Uh, We are uh, prepared.
11: The same day, four F-15 fighter jets from Japan's Air Self-Defense Force and two F-16s from the U.S. military conducted a joint flight over the Sea of Japan. Fighter jets from the two countries made a similar flight after the North launched ballistic missiles two weeks ago.
3: Now Russia has accused Washington of mistreating Russian journalists in the United States and is turning on the Western media. The Russian foreign ministry on Monday summoned representatives of U.S. media outlets based in Moscow. It notified them of Russia's response to what it called Washington's hostility toward Russian media in the U.S., Sources at the meeting said spokesperson Maria Zakharova outlined difficulties that Russian journalists in the U.S. face in obtaining visas, media accreditation, and bank accounts. She warned the American news organizations that they risk losing their accreditation unless the treatment of Russian journalists in the U.S. improves. The sources said the meeting was attended by 11 representatives of U.S. media companies, including ABC News, CNN, Fox, and AP. They asked no questions, and the meeting lasted about 30 minutes. U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price quickly responded.
12: The United States continues to issue visas to qualified Russian journalists, and we have not revoked the foreign press Center credentials of any Russian journalists working in the United States.
3: He accused Kremlin of engaging in a
12: full assault on media freedom. The European Union plans to impose gender quotas as a way to get more women on corporate boards. By mid-2026, women must make up at least 40% of non-executive board members and 33% of all board members. When two candidates of different sexes are equally qualified, companies will have to choose the underrepresented candidate. The agreement was reached between the Council of the European Commission and the European Parliament on Tuesday. It's expected to be enacted after being approved by the Council and others. The EU has set gender equality as its goal. That includes closing wage gaps between men and women. Women hold about 45% of company boardroom positions in France and just 8.5% in Cyprus. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said in a statement, Diversity is not only a matter of fairness, it also drives growth and innovation.
0: Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight, saving time, so please adjust them to your time zone. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. Unfortunately, you have to look harder these days because of the U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show that's out farpress.com and my website you can also listen to past shows please consider making a safe donation online through paypal there's a link at my website along with a podcast link and get advice for listening at home The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.